Hello there, folks, and welcome back once again to Booze, Booms, and Busts, episode 81 of the podcast, where we drink beer while musing on the market and its consequences. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Sam, it's good to be back. It does feel like a very long time ago since yeah. we did the last one of these, though it probably wasn't that long. Uh, it's just um, that so much has happened since. Yeah, I mean, it feels like an eternity ago, really. But uh, 25th of May, so four weeks, five weeks, four and a half weeks, something like that. Yeah, it's we're not we're certainly not doing these on our weekly cadence anymore, are we? But we've got to change the logo every Friday. It's, I think we said last time it's uh, we should probably change that too. Whenever we, we whenever we can organize ourselves. Or- oh no no, you'll find that actually it, it it does say it perfectly right. It's just because the Twitter header uh, constraints they have a crop, so it actually says. Come crack a coldie with us every Friday. We can fit it in, but you know, but it just gets <laughs> ah, cut just off. The there. cropped bit, yeah. I mean, it's always been like that, yeah, hasn't it? I'm pretty sure it's always been like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Design. But anyway, but, Sam, how are you getting on? All right, all right. Um, to be honest, uh, I, I've tried to switch off as much as possible from the market over the last three and a half, three and a bit weeks. Um, for those that don't know, my, my dad came over from Australia to visit us, meet uh, my youngest and see my eldest, Max, who's now three in a three and three quarters, three and a half, something like that. Um, and he hasn't seen them for a couple of years, thanks to the Wu flu. Um, uh, not that he had it, but, you know, Australia being the, um, the penal colony that it is, said <laughs> no one in, no one out. So... <laughs> Um, it's been a while since we've seen him, so tried tried to not look at the market, but you kind of it's weird when you've when you've got a bit of time up your sleeve and you're kicking about at home, you can't help but just still absorb some of the atmosphere that you get from the markets. It's like it, it's like the, it's it's in the trees and it's in the grass. The the grass looks scared of the markets at the moment, but um, <laughs> the, the crypto market in particular has been wow. That's been yeah. that's been wild. Um, it's always wild, but, but it's um, always wild. It is, it is. But this time, wild, wilder. I don't know. Maybe not wilder. Actually, you know what? I think you're right. Maybe it's always been wild, and this is just continued wildness. But because of the increase in adoption and, and value, it's just the wildness is on a bigger scale. Yeah, it's just a. Bit, it's like the frontier just keeps getting bigger. We keep thinking it's going to get civilized, but instead, it just keeps getting bigger. Yeah. Um, but to be yeah. fair, the stuff that's been fucking around and, and fucking up isn't all that different to, um, you know, the, the, the Previous problems cycles. and woes of the traditional financial system either. Yeah, certainly. Um, though with less government bailouts, which is always a good thing. Well, that's um, right, you know. That's because the main difference, isn't it? <laughs> they can't keep doing the same shit. They just fail. And, you know, okay, people lose money, which you never want to see, but you'd think it, it's a uh, cleansing uh, process which is which is ultimately good i would think yeah free market austrian economics yeah the uh the chaff must be separated the uh the garbage must be cleaned out removed by a brutal bear market and uh, economic uh recession i, I used i used that phrase um this week separating the wheat from the chaff mm. it made me feel very um british it's not really, I mean, it, I know it's a sort of global saying, but it's not one we use in Australia that much, but I use it. So I was, I was speaking at a, at a web three conference and I said, I talked about how do you separate the wheat from the chaff? 
Not very posh. <laughs> Which Web3 conference was it? Uh, it was the iSport Connect Web3 Summit. They're a big um, sort of, they're an organization that brings together like um, different heads of sport and organize, you know, like the executive management and, and people that run the actual organization, sports organizations and right. sponsorships and, and all that sort of stuff. And they do a whole bunch of other things, but they, um, they put together a, a summit on, on Web3 and how that was going to impact sports and, and, and media and, and how sports organizations and stuff should be looking at it and things they need to know and understand. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was interesting. And so I sat on a panel with, um, uh, two guys from two crypto VCs, one guy from um, Bitcraft, and another guy from Kraken venture, Kraken ventures. Yeah. <coughs> we were just talking and stuff, but, um, yeah, it's interesting how little the TradFi world or even not even finance, just the trad world. <laughs> the real world. <laughs> the real world knows about, I mean, any of, I mean, this like, you know, these big brands and organizations, um, they are petrified of things like Bitcoin and they the, the volatility terrifies them in prices, but they all have a raging hard on for NFTs still. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's funny how NFT, NFTs are really, really persisting yeah. throughout all of the all of the chaos that we've got through DeFi. NFTs still remain very high in demand, and people are very, very much engaged in them. Yeah, and, um, and brands really see them as a way that they're going to reach their audiences in in like in the in the metaverse in the in, yeah, in, in Web definitely. three. <laughs> yeah, I mean the it's the collectible. Uh, aspect of them is I think what the brands is something that people can grasp pretty quickly is the idea of a digital collectible that doesn't need to be hosted on one website it's mm -hmm. something that can be native to a, a certain blockchain or a certain ecosystem I think that is relatively straightforward for enough people to understand that people are, um, you know large brands are like oh right so inside this ecosystem someone can say that they drink coca-cola Wow! Yeah, let's let's do that. Whether or not this is the, the the final form of NFTs is is something else. But for as long as it is keeping the uh, the torch burning for decentralized applications, I'm I, I'm I'm content with it for the moment, anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm weirdly content with it too. I I, I it's if it keeps them interested in in everything that kind of surrounds NFTs as well. Ultimately, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yep. You know. Uh, yeah, I feel like we've dived straight into the conversation here with uh, with this stuff already. <laughs> I do. I, it's been so long since we've done all these, Sam. I'm trying to remember how I normally try and structure the conversation. How, how do we we normally find something to discuss to begin with that would maybe uh, provide some backing context or uh, whether I mean, or not... we we also inevitably get into the conversation of of how Marvel movies are all the same, mm. uh, according to you. Yeah. you know yeah. i saw i saw another one i no. I, I saw i saw the, i watched i watched the new somebody doctor stop strange, him the doctor strange and the madness of the multiverse i watched it and you know what though I, this and I, I i feel like i should hate you for this the whole time i'm thinking to myself this is really just the same as all the other movies. <laughs> got you. i got him you've got me you finally got me even my wife walked in and she goes, these are just all the same movie. And I'm like, stop it. I don't need two of you telling me this. <laughs> oh, good shit. Good <laughs> shit. Yeah. Oh, mate. Did we, had we both watched Top Gun last episode? Oh, no, we hadn't. Because I've, I've watched that. Uh, or had we? 
Oh, shit. I don't think we had. I don't think we had. I don't think so. I feel like we hadn't. But but did you watch it? Because we were both very excited for the for the release of that movie. And now, yeah, man, it's literally like one of the best movies I've ever seen. <laughs> it is it is top crack. So we I made it. I made a point that when I, maybe look maybe we discussed this on our last podcast. I don't know. It's been four weeks, people. So give us a break if if this is the case. But I saw it in Screen X where this the screen expands on certain scenes down the sides of the. the oh right, yeah, well. nice. So it's like front and surround and puts you in the plane and it was oh man it was like it was just fucking divine <laughs> and and i'm i'm now worried that i've broken all other films is that i don't think i can go to the cinema now without watching a, a something in screen x but then when i do it's not even going to be anywhere near as good as top gun so top gun i think is probably the best movie one of the best movies maybe the best movie it's hard to say just one best movie. Like there, you should have about like five or six, right, for different genres and different times. But it's easily one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life and is probably going to make all other movies seem quite average now. Did it make you feel proud to be an American? It made me, it, it rekindled my fighting spirit to to reapply to become a pilot in the, in the Navy. Yeah, it must have been really good. Oh, I bet you the uh, the recruitment figures are all are still uh, very elevated for the U.S. Navy right now. Man, it's I think there's a lot of things that are really elevated off the back of uh, Top Gun, including Tom Cruise's bank balance because it's it just recently topped a billion dollars in global global sales, global ticket nice, sales, nice. which is I mean even in inflationary times, that's pretty fucking impressive. Well, in inflationary times, you'd imagine that uh, audience, uh, the audiences for cinemas would go down because it's a luxury. That, that discretionary spending, you'd imagine, would get squeezed during an inflationary period. I don't know. I don't, I, I've not looked at that. Actually, you know what? I might follow up and have a look at that because I would have thought that it might increase as a form of escapism. Yeah, and people don't go on holiday instead or something. Yeah, yeah, it's like a trade-off for maybe other things are sacrificed, and then things like, well, and man, but again, then, then again, maybe it's different now in the in the age of early home cinema release as well, right? With the streaming services and stuff. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see historically because even you know, today's you know historic numbers are somewhat skewed because you could only go to the cinema to see movies but now it's a little bit different but i might follow that up because that's that just make an interesting bit of editorial anyway it's like mm. the conversation we've had around uh, alcohol consumption and uh recessions and things like that yeah yeah hmm. yeah top gun was 10 out of 10 the uh yeah. oh yeah okay sam it's obviously iran that they're uh they're blowing up right not north korea um well when it, so you got to remember when it was filmed which was a couple of years ago now wasn't it well several years ago now yeah. it was a couple of years ago since it was meant to be released oh that's right yeah well it'd have to be iran if it was yeah. shot today if it was shot today it'd, it'd be the i mean do you know what i almost kind of wish it was shot today because then it would be a true sequel it'd be it'd be on the russians again yeah it would be the russians wouldn't it yeah well, no, it's because they've got the F-14s, right? And uh, I think it's the it's only the Iranians who... Uh, so even the Americans don't have F-14s anymore. Well, I... Um, you know, funnily enough, in the in the romp to that movie, uh, some of the uh, aviation nuts where they were 
where they saw clips from the trailer where they were which featured F-14s. They were like, "This has to be CGI because yeah. the U.S. military don't have any F-14s anymore. There are plenty of them in the boneyard in the boneyard, sorry, in Arizona, but uh, they don't fly anymore." So I'm wondering if uh, if that all of that was CGI or whether or not they did just specially just for this movie get F-14s because it's only the Iranians who've got them left, and it would only make sense that they've got these uh, in the movie. If I mean, it was Iran, rather what than they it said, it was it, every every shot in a plane was the was the real deal. Mm. Yeah, so maybe that bit at the end is actually yeah they, they did actually resuscitate some aging F-14s to uh, to uh, well, did bring they, back. Didn't they use didn't they use F-14s in the original movie? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. It, but that was when they were. It would be a stretch to so. think that maybe maybe that the one that they used or the, the ones they had access to could have been Tom Cruise's. Hmm. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, well, it's a good it's a good idea. I don't think you're allowed to unless they get totally disarmed. And I'm not sure Cruz owns jets. Mm. I think he's he's got loads of propeller stuff, but I don't think he owns jets. But well, in that case, yeah, you're probably right. He probably just he probably just bought them from the Iranians. I'm imagining he. I feel like he's the kind of guy that probably has pretty good relations all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> Even in Iran. Even in yeah. Iran. Yeah. I, I, I like how we probably just lost everybody who didn't watch Top Gun, and they have no idea what the hell we're talking about. But it was pretty epic. I got that last, that last, that last bit. Like, because as it, without giving away spoilers, um, when that phase of the movie started, I'm like, okay, where are we going with this? And then yes, sort of man. the mm-hmm. end, and I was like, oh, actually, yeah, that's really good. It's <laughs> a really good ending. I was a bit skeptical of where they were going with it. Yeah. Yeah, it was well done. It was uh, a well-executed movie. Uh, I, I like how they, they they constructed a scenario where you can still have cool dogfights because yeah. really these days you don't actually get cool dogfights. No. It's just F-35s a very long, long way away from some other fifth-generation fifth fighters. <laughs> they fire a missile from several miles away and it probably hits because they don't know it's there. And that's that. There's no dogfight anymore. So I they managed. I like to how they referenced that though, as well. Yeah, it, I mean, they, when you think about it, this is more of a. This is like this is the Dam Busters. It's effectively a Dam Busters reboot. Yeah. Like it's not a dogfighting thing at all. They're no. on a bombing run. They are. They are. They are on a ve- and not just a bombing run. A very specific, targeted bombing run. That if they yeah, get like it wrong, oh, yeah. if they can't get it wrong, then it's the end of the world. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Oh yeah, well, uh, well, I'm glad we both like Top Gun then, Sam. We, we checked that one off. We can check that off the list. Uh, best bit, best bit, well, not best bit, but I was very pleased to see, indeed, very pleased to see uh, that the uh, movie studios, all, all, the product, all the producers went back on their China appeasement line and they allowed Tom Cruise to wear his original jacket from the first Top Gun, which features the flags of Japan and Taiwan, which had been removed in the photos uh, that were released to promote the movie uh, back in like 2018, 2019, uh, because of course that might offend a certain middle kingdom to the East. Uh, so they'd actually gone back on that. So you see him wear his, his, old, his old jacket uh, because clearly Somebody was pissed off enough at a high enough level to say you need to stop bending over to uh, a certain Chinese Communist Party. <clears throat> I bet you it was Cruz himself. I don't know, man, because I mean, he will have been wearing that 
that jacket in all of those photo shoots. And I don't think he said anything bad about it. Yeah, that's a good point. I, yeah, I didn't even notice it, to be honest. I didn't even know it was a thing, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I re- that riled me up big time, that did. But <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny as well, because, uh, of course, China is not mentioned at all in the uh in the movie no, even though it's like it? america's greatest uh great great competitor now yeah you would yeah it, it, but yeah <laughs> no it's not uh you just if you've not if anyone's not seen it yet do yourself a favor and see it but only and this is what i said to my brother i was like oh man i've seen top gun it's amazing he goes oh should i see it and I'm like, yeah yeah of course you should go see it and i go but see it on the biggest screen yeah definitely possible that you can yeah, I want to actually go back and see it now in um, IMAX. Very nice. Very I feel nice. like that would be an experience. Yeah, it's definitely worth... I think I might watch it again on the big screen just because, uh, you know, it's not going to be on the big screen forever and it needs to be watched on the big screen because it's a, a good movie. Yeah, I might do that next week, actually. <laughs> feed a little... Feed, a, feed another little bit into the billions that it is, it is racking up. Do you know what studio it was produced with? I can't remember. Was it a Warner Brothers thing or is it a Paramount thing or Columbia or? Was t- Tencent was involved. Sony? I Tencent. Believe. I believe. Hold on. Let's find out. Because I, I was, so I was on the tube um, this week and I was walking from um, the, I think it was the Piccadilly line through to the Northern line at King's Cross St. Pancras. And the, you know how you go through there's like that really long tu- there's like a really long tunnel that sort of connects connects you to the northern line, and it was completely decked out the entire tunnel as just a giant Paramount Plus streaming service advertisement, and I was I was looking at all the you know it's got these famous acts like Uma Thurman and I don't know someone else, and I've been seeing a lot of these Paramount Plus uh, advertising on the telly and, and stuff. I was like, another fucking streaming service. This has just come off the back of Discovery Plus that was recently launched. Um, there was a, Plus is like the new, you know how like when iPhone and, and, and all that started coming out, everyone started using like I as, as to like show that they were sort of some sort of techni- technology device. Um, and now everything's just using Plus to show that they're a streaming service. To be, to be frank, it's doing my tits in. It's, everything's fucking plus Spy yeah. plus paramount plus disney plus apple plus discovery plus i think they need to come up with a better better term than a plus yeah how about positive or just disney positive disney positive <laughs> yo okay oh. no, so production companies right Okay. Uh, Jerry Bruckheimer and Skydance Media. I'm, I'm incorrect, and it was distributed by Paramount. Mm. Um, so it yeah. is Paramount. So it'll be Paramount Plus when it goes to <laughs> when it goes to early home release cinema home release thing. It'll be Paramount Plus that you'll have to watch it on. So you'll have to subscribe to something else to pay, you know, seventy, eighty, hundred quid a year, or if you're a Netflix subscriber, fucking a thousand quid a year at the rate they're hiking their prices. Um, for another streaming service. It's interesting because the, it's, it's just such a fragmented industry now. Every studio is now going, all right, well, we've got all this IP. We're just going to add a plus to the end of our name and sell it as a streaming service. No, I think I this is, uh, I don't I think don't this is how it can last. sustain itself like that. 
Uh, I think uh, I think inflation, like like with everything, inflation is just going to change the behavior of anyone of everyone to the price of things. And during a not a disinflationary or a low inflation environment, streaming things, uh, the subscription model in general works fine because people are not worried about uh, the future costs, like the future value of their savings ultimately. Mm. But in an inflationary period where these businesses can up their rates quite a lot, uh, as inflation moves up and up and up, people are going to be less interested in that and they will prefer something much more like the old school CD-ROM, I will pay everything up front and I will get it forever. And I think that all of these streaming uh, projects, all these streaming propositions that you see, uh, are going to dissipate because they're not going to get that many customers because it's during periods like this when people's discretionary income is getting squeezed so much that they're going to be like, okay, do we really need four streaming services? Do yeah. we really need yeah. Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, like, Hulu, and Lord knows what other video streaming services you get now? I was thinking about this the other day because I was talking with some guys at, the, at this iSport Connect conference about about web three. And I was kind of arguing that web three isn't really a thing yet. Is it? we're really, what, what it is, is it's a, a venture capital money and marketing budgets have bastardized decentralized networks and called them web three in order to increase valuations to just extract as much value as they can. But web three, a decentralized web is not even fucking close yet. It's, it's really web 2.1 at the moment, but I was sort of, somehow I, I kind of got onto thinking because I think we ended up talking about things like they were talking about Web3 as being the internet of property rights or the internet of, of value and ownership, which I do agree to to a certain point. But at the same time, it's like, well, if it's the, if it's the internet of, of ownership of property rights, then again, it, there's not a lot to, to own. Like if you're streaming, you don't own shit. If I, used, I used to be able to go to the video store and buy a fucking DVD or, or, or buy a, a VHS. And I own that shit. I can watch that shit for the rest of my life. And like you say, you pay for it once up front. And everyone's like, oh, this model doesn't work. Streaming's going to, you know, streaming will kill it. And streaming did kill, did kill it really, really. But I think there's going to be a switchback to, like you say, to, to ownership. So it's like, if I'm going to buy it, I'm going to own it. It's like you can do with Amazon. You know, you can buy a, a, a movie or a DVD. Well, not a DVD. You buy a video or a movie and you think you own it, <laughs> but it, it, it exists on Amazon servers and they let you access it so long as you've got an Amazon account. Yeah. But I think, I don't know. And, and part of me always... Amazon is a cruel mistress. It is a cruel mistress. It's but I do like it. <laughs> but I, I mean, I always, I've never really subscribed to the idea that we go backwards in terms of technological progression. And I still don't think that's possible, but it's hard to imagine that we do just continue on with this. I'm just going to rent shit for the rest of, you know, that, that people will completely be devoid of ownership of things. Or maybe that is, you know, you'll own nothing and be fucking happy. Maybe they're right. <laughs> I won't be uh, happy, but I'm sure plenty of people will be. Yeah, I saw somebody on Twitter say the other day that uh, Sam Bankman Freed, Freed will own everything and you'll be happy. <laughs> uh, I think yeah, there's a lot of, lot of different uh, threads could pull out of that. I would say we're regarding Web 2, Web 3, right? Uh, I agree that VCs have uh, 
used Web3 as a good marketing tool in order to boost valuations for things. But that's, you know, it was ever thus with uh, good buzzwords and catchphrases uh, used to increase the valuation of something, both in public and private markets. I would say that Web3 does exist. It's just much smaller than people think. And everyone yeah. used to used to really low interest rates for a really long time. Everyone's used to uh, sort of taking the future vision of something and then pretending it's here already. My general metaphor for speaking with pretty much anyone in Web3, especially people who are users rather than builders, is that we're, uh, we're kind of walking around California in like the wild west period you know we've got like one saloon that's been built and there's maybe uh, a couple of houses nearby we're all carrying six shooters and there are no roads to speak of everyone's just using horses but we're all talking to each other and acting as though this is like modern day los angeles and we've got everything that we want already built and everything's already here this, that's like, a good say, analogy, actually. We are in a Web3. It's like, no, there's a few utilities we can use. There's, uh, there is a population. It's not very big. We don't have a huge amount of capital yet. There's a couple of banks. They are kind of risky. It's a big fucking funeral home. Right. <laughs> yeah, we got them. We, we got, we got, we got, we got that bit. Down. The coyotes will take care of our dead. Um, but it's not its not here yet. And everyone's acting like it is. Now we're talking about Web 4 and Web 5. And everyone's joking about, oh, yeah, Web 6, bro. Has, like, have people actually been talking about Web 4? Uh, well, actually, everyone just skips to Web 5, don't they? What the fuck is Web 4? Indeed. Oh, I feel like this is maybe like a... Yeah, what... what, what <laughs> who, who, who is the Sam Bankman feed of Web 4? I wonder. But everyone think everyone is acting like Web3 is done. And yeah. it's like Web3 is an idea that has been... Uh, some people have created some really cool applications yeah. inside Web3 with the Web3 ideal. But it's not, it's not done. I mean, this is, uh, this is a construction site. This we is the are... 1990s of Web2. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, this is... Yeah, it's 1990s of Web2. You're right. It's not even the 1990s of Web1. Yeah, it's like so, we're in the 1990s and we're acting like Facebook's already here. Yeah. Whereas it was like Jeff just decided that he's going to do more than sell books. Yeah. And he's actually going to put on some muscle and, <laughs> and the world. But we're all, we're all acting like he's already that guy instead of this nerdy, weird, like soft, bald yeah. guy uh, who hides out in, uh, you know, in his, in his office and has Amazon.com spray painted on the wall. Sounds like Vitalik. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, did, you, did you see Vitalik's great post? Everywhere. <laughs> Where every, Is that his, back, his backpack uh, yeah. affiliate code? <laughs> Everyone's dying. Like, Vitalik, please, why is the price of ETH going down so much? And Vitalik's like, here's how you make, here's how you shove more goods and more products into your traveling bag. <laughs> Do you know what's funny is I saw today that people, um, there was a post from Rudy Giuliani, <laughs> like a sandals sale. And Rudy Giuliani had a, had an affiliate link code 
to get a discount on like these um, plastic foam sandals from a, some sandal shop. Right. He's really gone on to big things, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, don't, I think Giuliani is very American, you know, so he's always up for some kind of commercial arrangement. I will <laughs> he's big in like the cigar world with promoting various cigar companies and whatever. I mean, just for anybody out there that's listening, we are quite happy to uh, post affiliate links for products that we can get for free on this podcast. We With will gladly exception. accept free products. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, when you think of the kind of products that uh, that somebody would want to advertise on this, they're they're thankfully alcohol related. So uh, I think I'd be able, I'd probably be able to to say yes on most of them. Provided they aren't wine, in which case Sam can drink those instead. Or uh-huh. as well, Boaz can see now. I've, I've I've moved office while over the last couple of weeks, and now in my little display cabinet, I've got a selection. My 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 selection of of whiskies is back there, including one that Boaz sent to me. I can see um, it from here. Yeah, and I purchased to just top off the little the little section it's a it's a three prong section i've got some retro games and some uh, retro toys at the top some uh, some nintendo paraphernalia in the middle and then at the bottom it is it is whiskies but i bought a, a proper lsa decanter and whiskey tumbler set just to top it off so next time we uh, meet IRL at my house or well, next time for the first time we meet IRL at my house, yeah. Boaz, we will sit in my new office and we will drink fine whiskeys. Uh, I look forward to it, Sam. I look forward to it. So if anyone uh, wants to give us free whiskeys, that was my point. Um, uh, we are well up for, for, for drinking your whiskey. We can taste it. We can tell people how amazing it is. So long as it's free. <laughs> and provided we're allowed to speak our minds. <laughs> and provided we're allowed to speak our minds. But so yeah, you know, funnily enough, uh, so I was in, uh, I've just been at the Solana Hacker Houses. I went to the one in London, then I went to one in Barcelona afterwards. Uh, I, I was kindly invited to, uh, to go to the, the one in Barcelona. And uh, I actually found a whiskey bar in Barcelona. I really wasn't expecting it. Though, you know, in a city as big as Barcelona, it's inevitable, but just, just to stumble upon one. Uh, so I went there with a few of the folks uh, from, from the Hacker House. And... Uh, there were a few Spaniards, a couple of Catalans there. And one of them was asking me, they were looking at the, the whiskey list and they were asking me for uh, recommendations. And the, they had Ardbeg Ugadal there, uh, which is a very nice whiskey indeed. And I recommended it to this, uh, to this Catalan bloke, not, not a massive, massive whiskey guy at all. But uh, he, I was like, bro, Ugadal is really, really good whiskey. You should, you should, if you're looking for one, you should definitely go for this. And of course, it's you know, it's cast strength. So it's like sixty percent, whatever. Anyway, it did not go down well at all. I'm oh, afraid oh, with that. No, I'll receive. But the thing is, in Why? somewhere like Bar- well, because like, dude, like Catalans, like they're not used to drinking this kind <laughs> of spirit. You know, like uber peated, uber <laughs> high strength. Like this just is is not medical. Basically, it, it made him spontaneously combust. <laughs> It's just not in keeping with the Mediterranean spirit. So one of the reasons why I'm I was surprised to find one there is like, do you really want to be drinking whiskey when you're in Barcelona? Like, is that really what you what you're dying for? It's like, sure. oh yeah, boiling out here. I've had a really long day. You know what I want? I want some cask strength whiskey. Yeah. No, like, no, I want, I want a fucking aperol spritz in a jug. 
<laughs> yeah, so that was me um, uh, making a negative impression with some ETH developers there. But uh, at least it was an impression. Oh, God. I'm, 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 yeah, I was going to say, imagine a whiskey sponsorship for um, uh, Hacker House is probably not going to go down as well as you might think it would. Uh, funnily enough, speaking of this, Ardbeg, uh, just, this just comes to mind. I should have said it at the time. Ardbeg did that NFT thing a while back. We've got all of these companies jumping on the NFT bandwagon. Monkey Shoulders recently done something with Block Bar. I saw, I yeah. saw like this stuff is not going to last. Like this stuff is just jumping on the bandwagon. This well, is not gonna- yeah, but I don't know. I see. I, I don't mind the NFTs that give you the rights to the physical product itself. But they don't. That's the thing. They're, Some do. The ones with block bar do that, don't they? It's not, it's not legally upheld. Um, I think the ones with block bar are. Are they? I'm pretty sure. If anyone's listening from Blockbar, well, if you if you buy the NFT, you can you basically burn the NFT and then get delivery of the physical product. Yeah, but is that will would that be legally upheld if Blockbar uh, went bankrupt? Bankrupt? Don't know. You'd have to ask their legal department. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like, uh, I just get the impression that, and there's a lot of luxury brands as well that are doing this. It does. It does beg the question: Why wouldn't you just buy the physical thing outright to start with? (laughs) Yeah, if you want to buy a washing machine. Buy a washing machine. Don't buy a futures contract for a washing machine or an NFT that, if you burn it, will give you a washing machine. It's that a, is this a good is, point. And if you want to so see, this is what what needs to be well. But is that all different? So, is creating an NFT with the right to the physical product all that different from a efficient marketplace for secondary sales of? fine wines and whiskeys and, and alcohols like you get from a lot of those sites where you can do exactly that. Uh, I think if uh, when you talk about an efficient market for this, like are the uh, secondary markets for fine wines, etc., are they doing this? Is this in their interest to make things more efficient? Yeah, well, I don't know. Are they? Are they? I don't think they are. I don't think they are either because look, one of the things is like, so like, I don't, I don't mind the idea of um, special or rare wines and whiskeys and other, other alcohols as it, as an investment vehicle. I don't think that's, that's not necessarily such a bad idea. Um, and that, and, and there is some, some evidence to support. That's a very good way to diversify a portfolio is to have exposure to some of those sorts of asset classes. But it's always a tricky one to actually transport, buy, store, all those sorts of things. You don't necessarily even know if what you're buying is the legit product or not. Whereas the idea of, and, and I don't know if this is best represented with NFTs or whether you know you 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 could tokenize you know some of these assets. But this comes back to I think I think we're probably moving. Do you know what? And this might be going off on a bit more of a tangent from where we were, but I think what's happening in the sort of market, the crypto market right now, I think what we'll end up with at the back of this is a more efficient methodology and way for organizations, companies, whatever, to tokenize assets and, 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 and sort of look at new ways of accessing capital and, re- and structuring sort of capital markets. 
it's certainly a way of i think starting new markets i think it'd be an interesting way of doing it but the when you get to these esoteric asset classes you'll find that they're very opaque and yeah, they're very yeah. cliquey and the people who run them really like that uh, they're <laughs> really not they're really not open yeah but no one else does fancy in this way <laughs> uh so, but it is very interesting. I like I imagine about- imagine imagine a market for fine whiskies as easy to access as the stock market or a fucking crypto market. Well, the, the thing is, that's the thing. Like, imagine a market for fine commodities, right? Esoteric, rare commodities that's as easy as that, easy to access as the stock market, and it simply can't be done just because these commodities are very rare and they're hard to access. So there isn't massive volume for them. There isn't massive supply of them, and so it's very hard to go and to go and get them, and then make them globally available in that way. I I wonder if it's possible for it to be done to the degree of the openness of of the stock market. <laughs> True, but you know uh, anyone that attempts it, I mean, it's a noble attempt. If you can do it, you pull it off. Well, one hundred percent. And if you given the openness. Uh, of blockchain technology, it would be very cool if somebody did do it, uh, especially if you did it in a, in a in a form that where there are no gatekeepers. Uh, yeah. So, like I remember, I remember back in 2017 as the ICO boom and and you know the the market uh, hype really kicked into overdrive then, and there were a bunch of projects that were like to- that were basically raising capital to buy rare luxury cars and then tokenizing them and selling the tokens to investors. So what they were doing was they were creating securities over um, classic and luxury cars. Yeah. And selling them. But, but not saying they're securities. But, not, but saying that they're a utility token, so they can't be a security. Um, and in, if they went bust, all of the token holders would not be able to get anything. Yeah. And what they would have done is just sold the cars into the market and then recouped all the money. But I should follow up and see where, where they're at. It's been a while since I've looked at things like that. But like, in theory, that's actually a really good idea. But what you're effectively doing is creating a managed fund where the asset is luxury vehicles. Well, yeah, and it's worse than a managed fund because there is not the legal backing for the shareholders. No, but you could create a legal backing for it and build that into what your you know what your your platform or whatever you're doing so that you you're effectively creating a, a managed investment scheme with the legal rights and recourses to the asset itself to be distributed and you could you could place the token holders above all other creditors probably i wonder if it's possible uh in yeah, and it depends on which country you're in as well, where there is the legal framework that would support tokenization as a form of security that gives the holder legal right to the underlying assets. I've not seen that yet. Yeah, uh, I mean, but look, this is the problem, right? Is that these are these are actually these are really good ideas. These are these are ways, really great ways that people should be able to access asset classes that you know, individually, you're not going to be able to go out and buy a $4 million, you know, classic car. But if you, you know, if it's part of an asset that underpins, you know, a a wider fund that 
as the fun part of the, you know, you own part of the asset itself. I don't know. It, it should be able to be done a lot easier than it currently is done. And, but the thing that holds it back are fucking archaic laws and rules and restrictions and regulations. You should be able to, you know, people should have the right to the asset that they've bought a fraction of and that fraction of it. And the ability, but also the ability to sell it on easily enough if they wanted to, or whatever the market value prices is at. There shouldn't be all these roadblocks that stand in the way of making that actually happen either. I spoke to a chap uh, at the Barcelona Hacker House who is involved in tokenizing uh, classic art, uh, you know, fine art, uh, the old masters. They're, they're, apparently, they've got some Monet stuff and uh, trying to find a way of tokenizing it in such a way that legally the holder of this token owns this amount of a Monet painting. Cool. And it seems quite, seems quite difficult. Yeah. And while we have seen all of these luxury brands jump on the NFT bandwagon, you've seen Prada and the like uh, going on for NFTs. Yeah. Uh, my, the one that really sticks out for me is Bulgari. Uh, their, their like most famous watch is the Octo Finissimo. So this is like Gerald Genta's, uh, one of his last major works was, uh, was the Octo. And it's a beautiful watch. Very, very distinctive. This uh, very, it's this gray uh, octagonal uh, faced watch and it's incredibly thin. That's the main thing about it. So it's a mechanical watch that's incredibly thin. Now, very recently, Bulgari came out with the Octo Finissimo and for Bulgari, they're a jewelry brand, but they are, everyone thinks they're just a jewelry brand when they're actually a watchmaker. Yeah. And they're try always trying to prove themselves that, no, we are actually watchmakers, guys. We're really, really good at that. And one of the ways they try to do that is by making the thinnest watch ever. So they're in competition with, a, with other watch brands to make the thinnest one. And the Octo Finissimo is the one that they constantly try and make thinner and thinner and thinner. And their most recent one is, you know, it's absolutely remarkable. They've made a fully functioning watch, mechanical watch. 1.8 millimeters thick Jesus it is Christ. ridiculous right but one of the the big the biggest gear on this watch that you get they only made 10 of them right we're not we're not going to get one they're six figures each mm -hmm. but of those each one <laughs> the biggest gear on the face has a qr code laser etched into it that has uh, the public address of the nft that is linked to it. And the NFT is supposed to be your, yeah, this is your proof of ownership. You've got this thing. And anyone, and that cog like rotates all the time. You're, it's unmissable. You've, you're effectively wearing this massive QR code on your wrist. And well, it's it, so it you can see the QR code the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's laser etched onto it. And this is, this is the biggest gear has this massive QR code on it. Oh my and God. And it looks kind of cool, actually. A lot of people say it's really ugly. I think, and QR codes are definitely, we're probably going to come up with something better than QR codes, just the same way we came up with something better than barcodes a while back. There is going to, like in the future, this is going to be seen as a, a real relic of the time. We're probably going to come up with something better than QR codes. But it just makes me wonder if we're actually just thinking entirely the wrong way about Web3 in general, crypto in general. Everyone's always trying to relate this stuff to the real world. And I think they do, they disrespect the amount of value that the internet has by itself. Mm. So let me, let me explain this a little bit. Everyone is always trying to ask, oh, well, what does crypto do in the real world? How can I spend my crypto on 
coffee. Why is it always got to be coffee as well? <laughs> no one's ever saying, why, why can't I spend it on like my dry cleaning? Why can't I spend it on uh, like get, getting my clothes tumble dried? Why can't I, why can't I put that the, it, instead of coins into this tumble dryer at the laundrette? No one's saying like, why can't I spend this at Nando's and McDonald's? It's always, why do I, why can't I buy coffee with Litecoin or whatever, right? But everyone wants to try and relate this to the real world. And I think it kind of, there's a misunderstanding with that the internet by itself is its own sector that has its own economy and has its own value inside of it. Now, if you turn off the internet, obviously all of that goes, but when it's turned on, there is a huge amount of value that gets transacted inside of it. Mm-hmm. And we're us trying to take these sort of relics from this ether and then apply them to the real world is the wrong way of thinking about it. It's like we're taking, uh, you know, plant life from the ocean floor to the surface and then being like, oh, look at this. Look at this. This is great. Why doesn't it grow here? <laughs> I think it needs to be, I think people need to respect that the internet by itself has a, a huge amount of value in it. And that is what you are, that is, that is the world that you're entering when you're in the crypto environment. So Facebook, for example, we don't value it at billions of dollars because they own lots of real estate. Facebook has lots of value because it is a network which has a huge amount of data that is getting sent into, in, you know, inside that network all of the time. And uh, that is where the value comes from. We don't actually treat it like an advertising company, even though that's how they make their money. We treat it as more than that because it is this internet community that, uh, and, and simply by facilitating that internet community, yeah. it has a huge amount of value. I think the crypto is just is like that, but maybe uh, on the next level because it's not even a legal entity in a lot of in a lot of ways. So when you're thinking, oh well, how can I spend things in the real life, in real world? Why why can't I tokenize uh, the beer I'm buying? Should what, what, where's my NFT for uh, buying a new watch? Like why can't why why can't I see on the blockchain that I've just bought this new watch? I don't think it works like that. I think, I think this has to. This is its own thing, and it doesn't need to relate to the real world so much. Now, it's very dangerous if you take that and you think only of that, because uh, then you can become incredibly delusional with what the value is in this in this space, which is maybe what was going on with Three Arrows Capital. But I do feel like this: if you're thinking of trying to take crypto and then to relate it back to the real world and how it can be applied there, I think we're thinking of it the wrong way. I think this new ecosystem has its own capital and it's building something that is totally unlike what we've got in the real world. If that makes sense. It does. It does. It does. And, and I agree. I agree too. I, I do agree. I, I, and this is where I think so what, what you see in the real world markets as well, right? Is that when companies want to access funding and capital, they go to institutions, they go to venture capital, they go to the public market to raise capital. And I think that, and, and a lot of these businesses, like you say, they're not, they're not real world businesses. They're, they're, they're like Facebook and that. They don't, their value is in their platform, their network, their software that exists online. And I think that what we will probably see is that we will probably see them 
shy more away. It's almost like crowdfunding in a way. I think we'll I think we'll see a rise of crowdfunding in a way that is tokenized capital raising. And there is, you know, there is the problem is comes back to regulation and fucking archaic laws, but that will provide legitimate uh, legal ownership of that organization, that company, that asset. See, this is the thing. So I think where we're going with this is that we won't, the, the, the choice will be not to play when it comes to archaic legal laws in the real world. And instead, we simply won't be engaging with the real world when it comes to real assets. And instead, we'll be talking about digital assets, which don't associate with the real world. Yeah, right? which I agree to, but the real world will want to impose their laws on these non-real world assets. That's sure, but, the problem. Yeah, but that, how do you do that with, say, the Ethereum Foundation or with Solana, right? How, how are you going to say that I can't execute a smart contract? Like, how are they going to stop it? Well, so that, that and this is and so here's here's where here's where and this is where the thing around NFTs gets really interesting, right? Is because NFTs don't appear to be covered by a lot of the regulations that are coming into force, like this MICA regulations in Europe. That it seems like NFTs are out outside of that, and so and this is why I think people are starting to continue to get a bit of a hard on for NFTs, is because you could utilize NFTs in that way to represent the ownership of some of these things and and somewhat circumvent those regulations that are coming into force. Yeah, but they wouldn't be legally enforceable. That's the thing. Using an NFT to, to uh, as a representative of ownership is much different from whether or not you will own that when the chips are down. True, but I don't know. You just got to wait till the chips are down to see what happens, I suppose. <laughs> That's the thing. Everyone just wants to keep playing. They're at the casino and they just want to keep playing, man. They, uh, they they don't want to think about what happens next, which is fair enough. I think it's fair enough. But I I'm, I'm skeptical of folks who think that uh, they they can use NFTs to create real world binding arrangements. I don't I don't see that very soon. Yeah, I mean you you'll never really know until it's challenged. Yeah. I guess we're waiting for that big, whatever that is, that big lawsuit, right? Yeah. What's going to be the big NFT ownership lawsuit? And it'll be in the States, as it always it'll is. Be in, in America. And it won't be NFTs. It'll just be, it'll be when someone tries to sue. <laughs> well, that'll be in South Korea. Those guys aren't going to the States anytime soon. They're on the no-fly list. when the standard becomes the standard again. Oh, yes. Hashtag the standard. Hashtag the standard. Oh, man. For, any, for anyone that might be listening out there that thinks that, you know, we're all missing a trick because we don't talk enough about the standard and that it's going to change the world and that all the world's central bank-backed digital currencies will be built on the standard, <coughs> I would suggest to think again. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, on a more optimistic note, I would say, uh, from attending the, uh, attending the Solana Hacker Houses, I must say, uh, and meeting meeting the folks who are building in the space, I must say, very very optimistic, very very long term bullish. I, it's hard to see how this can go wrong, long term. 
when you have such bright independent minds working on it uh it really is a some people don't like it but it really is great to be the dumbest person in the room <laughs> you learn so much and there really are an awful lot of bright thinkers there and they're but not only just bright thinkers bright doers yeah uh, who are building some really really cool stuff so uh, i've got nothing but um uh, time for for people that you know build smart contracts and 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 can code in in different you know four or five different languages and and build these applications that's you know they are the people that are literally building our world for for tomorrow yeah um you know what interestingly as well just while you mention that um i was at the money 2020 conference which was after the last episode we did um and so it, it is it is all fintech um and Predominantly in the in the past, it's just been fintech like fucking peer to peer lending and um, uh, neo banks and shit like that. Now everyone, and I'm talking everyone from banks to lenders to payments to fucking remittance, everyone is trying to figure out how they can utilize and integrate cryptocurrencies, crypto networks, DeFi into their systems. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a dirty word anymore. They're not ashamed to talk about it. They're not ashamed to say they're working with projects or they've acquired some or they've invested in some. They are, the entire financial world is moving into this space. And I, coming out of that, having been to many of these sorts of things over the last 10 years, I've never come out of a conference and been just like, wow, it's not really just a matter of, of you know, are these guys going to start to really take this seriously? It's like they are taking it seriously. It's just a matter of when they will fully integrate cryptocurrencies and crypto networks and crypto assets and digital assets and NFTs and all of it into their systems and into their um, their, their companies and organizations. It is astonishing that when you're on this sort of inside of, of what's going on, how just optimistic and excited you are about what's coming down the track. And so I absolutely echo that sentiment. Yeah. What are you drinking this evening, Sam? Uh, I am drinking. I'm drinking the Bitcoin juice. I'm drinking the Bitcoin Kool Aid. <laughs> no. Um, oh shit! I just knocked it over. Um, the I've got this one called uh, Puskas, which is made in honor of uh, Ferenc Puskas, the magical Magyar's mercurial captain and his team that laid the foundations for total football back in the 1950s one of the world's finest ever strikers, netting 512 times in 528 games for Real Madrid in an unbelievable 83 and 84 for the Hungarian national team. It is um, brewed by the Black Isle Brewery, made in Scotland, the Puskas. Black Isle Brewery, and they're making some Madrid-inspired beers, eh? Hungarian, Hungarian-inspired. Oh, Hungarian-inspired beers. Yeah, he played. Scotland. He played for Real Madrid. Right, right, okay. Um, yeah. It's it's actually it's actually pretty good beer. Um, it is a. I don't even know what kind of beer it is. It's a Puskas. I think it's. I don't know. It doesn't. It's suitable for vegans, which is a which is a bonus. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's a beer. And it's pretty good actually. <laughs> Got on your black eye, the Puskas. Mm. You know, I was telling the uh, the mar- you know marinade on Solana. Uh, no, it's a staked uh, Solana solution. So the idea is like you can instead of uh, just owning and staking Sol, is the idea is you 
you stake your soul with them, you get mSol. So you've got liquid staked soul. And as a result, uh, you know, it, it has a higher value and should be arguably over time more uh, just as uh, interchangeable with soul as uh, well, as, as interchangeable and as liquid as soul. So mSol and soul have a, a stable swap pool and things like that. But anyway, um, I was actually speaking to those guys and saying that, uh, you know, you've got your soul, the soul lager that everybody knows. You guys yeah, need to. Yeah. You guys I've got some to- in my fridge, actually, right now. Exactly, right? This is the oh Solana beer. How guys- is Solana and Sol? Have they not done a partnership? Hey, see, this is what I was trying to do at these hacker houses, right? And I was telling them, guys, you need to get the MSOL. You need to release your own batch of MSOL, right? Big, oh. uh, this would be a great, uh, a great coup for you guys. But alas, they hadn't thought of it. But they said they're looking into it. But the thing with booze is always the international logistics. So wherever your community is with crypto, it's almost always going to be relatively global. It's not just going to be one country. It's going to be two. Souls everywhere. It is. It is everywhere. I mean, they're going to be in, what, Belgrade next week? And then and they're going to do Paris and Stockholm and things like that. One of the, it was interesting with London and Barcelona. How Hang on, are we talking about Sol being everywhere as in Solana being everywhere now or the beer being everywhere now? See, now oh, I'm I was talking about the Solana community. Oh, see, I'm talking right. about the beer. Uh, <laughs> see, Sol's you get everywhere. Sol in America? Um, I don't know. We don't count America, really. Mm. I don't think Sol's in America. Maybe that's what they need to do next, which is ironic. But it would yeah, be a it should be the Solana beer, though, right? Sol should be the Solana beer. Oh, my beer. God, it should be. 100% it should be. Another one of the weird coincidences was that uh, while the Barcelona Hacker House was going on, uh, the Catalans are so, have a festival called San Juan to support mm-hmm. the summer solstice. And it was a, I'm pretty sure it's a coincidence. I don't think it was planned that the Hacker House took place during summer solstice, where they have the big celebration. But I'd never even heard of San Juan because I'm, you know, a Brit and we don't know what goes on abroad, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but in Barcelona for San Juan, like everyone, their family shows up at the beach and parties all night. And they like set out, you know, their family's encampment with flares and stuff. And man, I've never seen like kids chucking fireworks before. I, I was really admiring the lack of health and safety. Like <laughs> no I've never one seen cares. kids chucking fireworks before. Wow. Yeah. No, it's like, as in, Debt like six, seven, eight, throwing a firework, <laughs> throwing a lit firework. You know, <laughs> I, I admire it. I, I think uh, we need more of that in this country. Didn't see anyone get hurt. There was some dude letting off like a homemade firework as well. Oh, I didn't that's... know homemade firework making was the thing. I think in this country, if you did that, you'd probably get arrested on I terrorist was, I was say You'd probably be put on a watch list if you did that here. No, I, I think you'd go to jail for being uh, accused of making uh, explosives or whatever. But it was incredible being there. Like the beach just gets completely rammed and you know, it's free booze for, uh, for, for days. Where do I sign up? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, 10 out of 10. But yeah, for solstice, it does feel like Solana's missing, missing a trick there. You know, there's got to be some great celebration of, of the solstice. Solstice with souls paid mm. in paid for in soul. Big time. I'm actually drinking quantitative ease at the minute. Uh, this stuff has aged so well. It's such a shame that uh, we don't have more of it on the on the line at the minute. Hopefully in future. We well, shan't. for anyone that's just 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 well on the subject of what we've been talking about, I've still got a couple left and I plan at one point in the future to tokenize. My <laughs> so anybody that wants to buy a token of quantitative ease 
Hit me oh, up. But what chain? What chain will you be listing it on? Um, that's a really good question. I don't know. Binance Smart Chain. I don't know. But, do you know what? It would make sense to go straight to BSC. <laughs> but you have to pay for it in the standard. <laughs> <coughs> oh, man. Sadly, uh, from my travels, I do have COVID at the minute. Uh, this time, it's actually been worse. This time, it's been worse. So I had COVID uh, several months ago. I, don't, I can't remember if we made a... Uh, we made one, made a triple B at the time, but I think we did. Uh, but this time, uh, upon coming back from Spain, I think, I think from the airport. I don't think from Barcelona. I think it was from London Airport, Gatwick. Uh, <laughs> I think that's when I got it, but I could be wrong. Maybe I even just got it from when I was in Aberdeen. But this time, it has been. It did actually take a lot out of me. Much more like having the actual flu rather than last time, where it was just an annoying cough. <laughs> So I do have this annoying cough now. As a flu um, and an annoying cough. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <coughs> Got the coof, as you Aussies like to say. <laughs> bloody, bloody lingering little tickle in your throat. Mm, yeah. Indeed. Yeah, Sam, we have... Uh, we, we've not covered, covered TradFi at all here. We've, uh, we've stuck to the old, the old NFTs and a bit of DeFi and Web3. Is there any other angle you'd like to cover in episode 81 of booze booms and bust i think i think we've 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 gone deep into the things that we needed to go deep into um uh, iran's role in top gun um we, we we might come back to the trad markets trad fire markets next next time around because um they're in a bit of a bit of, it's a bit of a shit show out there too at the moment isn't it <laughs> it certainly is yeah um what was it? Uh, worst half for the Nasdaq in fifty-two years, something like that. I think everything's seen the worst half. It, I just it's kind of like worst half of insert market here in a hundred years. Then that's pretty much. I think it's sort of bog standard copy now across all major financial publications. It's always a good uh, headline grabber, that one. Uh, I might use that as a headline in some editorial next week. Worst start to insert market for 50 years. <laughs> yeah. Worst anything since everything. Worst anything since everything in all time. Yeah, that sounds like a good one. Anyway, folks, that is all from us for this week. Hopefully we shall be back in the near future, though I, uh, I, I won't lie to you. I, I can't tell you when the next one will be. But it's all from us for the moment. I hope you are having a good time wherever you may be. And we shall see you again in the next one. Bye-bye.